Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Straight Talk for the Soul series. I'm Carrie Murphy, your host, creator, and founder of this global unity community. I want to thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with us today. Welcome home, everyone. I always want you to feel like you have a safe haven, a sacred space, and a soulful sanctuary to land each day to connect with soul family, to open your heart, to get empowered, and to feel supported and loved. Consider this a cosmic playground to see your sacredness, to ignite your divine power and purpose and potential. That is what it's all about here. This is about a, a revival, a restoration and a renewal of your soul's radiance, your empowerment, your freedom, and your liberation. So thank you for being here and blessing us with your your presence and your light today. I do want to invite you to subscribe to this show if you haven't already. It is a free platform and you can access everything at straighttalkforthesoul.com. You can also listen to all of our replays on iTunes, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Audible, Stitcher, uh, and we would love to see you in our private Facebook group or on Instagram. And now my favorite question, and that is, what is the best that could happen today? Well, let's intend for upliftment and healing and connection to happen. Let's intend for an elevation in vibration. We're going to go on another soulful adventure today with pet intuitive and numerologist uh, Denise Monge. I'm going to get that the last name right. She's here as my co-creative partner for the very first time today, so I'm excited about that. We're going to talk about animals and our shared spiritual legacy. She will be offering live uh, mini intuitive pet readings later, so press star two on your phone for that. Um, and she can connect with any animal. Um, just have a very specific question for her. Um, just keep that in mind. If you're going to be raising your hand, I'll also go into the webcast and you can ask your questions there. Uh, and I also encourage you to set an intention for our time together today and what you wish to gain, experience, or feel. My intention with our gathering is to be a clear and pristine conduit and communicator of the divine and selfless service to allow for the greatest openings into healing, empowerment, vitality, abundance, grace, and love, uh, and also for soulfully soothing energy to flow through my voice and this sacred energetic space with grace and ease, welcoming and inviting in the highest divine support um, throughout, throughout our time together today. So, again, write in if you want to um, put in your questions in the webcast if you joined us that way. And now, a little bit more about my beautiful co-creative partner for today, and then we'll will dive in. Uh, Denise is a certified dog trainer, pet intuitive, and numerologist. After a decade of working at some of the most prestigious advertising agencies in New York City, Denise left Madison Avenue to work with pets and their humans, eventually creating her own mindful pet life, lifestyle brand called Pet Prana. Uh, combining traditional training techniques with energetic considerations of pet guardianship, uh, Denise's work highlights how everyday interactions with our pets have the power to transform us. Uh, she's created a process that offers this roadmap to how your pet's behaviors can give you specific insight into the transformation that is ready to take place, including what habits or beliefs or patterns are ready to release so that you and your pet can vibe higher. 
Think of this as self-help for your pet's sake. And through Pet Prana, uh, Denise offers pet training classes, one-of-a-kind courses on the energetic aspects of pet guardianship and remote animal communication sessions. Um, which she's offering in one of her special offers today. Um, Denise received her bachelor's degree from Boston University, her dog trainer certification from Animal Behavior College, and she's a certified intuitive energy reader through top experts in the field. And so again, we're talking about animals and our shared spiritual legacy. Um, we're going to highlight how as humans, we're all walking this path of ascension, but we've never walked it alone. Our animal companions have been partners in our collective and personal journeys of up-leveling, even as early as our time in the Garden of Eden and Atlantis. So we're going to talk about that. Animals, both domesticated and in the wild, have been helping us up-level. So we're going to talk about also introspection and mindful practices like labyrinth walking. Uh, we're going to get into that and how all of this ties together to help us better understand the cyclical nature of the journey and how our animal companions, uh, we've created this wonderful shared spiritual legacy. Our pets have been preparing us for this exact moment. So there's a lot to explore today. So let's dive in. Um, please join me in extending waves and waves of love and love light and joy to Denise as I welcome her to the show. Welcome, beautiful. Oh, Carrie, thank you so much. I just love how you set up every show. And my intention today is that we all go a little deeper and look at our animal companions, whether our pets or animals in the wild, with a little more awe and appreciation, realizing how deep our relationships go with them and how they expand our entire existence. It is so purposeful, and your take on it, and I've, you know, talked with, because I've had so many pets all my life, and especially as an adult, dealt with um, pet trainers and, and pet communicators and intuitives, but your style is very different and unique. It's so beautiful, and so I'm really honored to highlight you and all that you are doing on the planet, my dear. It is really special. So, um, as I said, I, I shared a little bit in the intro about your background, but, you know, you went from New York City advertising, Boston University, all of this. What caused you to make the shift into mm -hmm. <laughs> um, being a pet intuitive? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny because so many people in our community, you know, they've grown up with animal companions. Like you said, you've grown up with pets. I'm the least likely person to be working with pets. Um, I grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil, very metropolitan area like New York City. So growing up, I wasn't allowed to have any pets. We were in an apartment. So without having the traditional, you know, dog or cat or pet bird, I started connecting from a very young age with even the smallest little energies. You know, I'd bring in a ladybug home. I'd look for the doodle bugs. Um, you know, in Brazil, we have all sorts of crazy insects, and I'd be at my farm, and these really crazy poisonous caterpillars are just, like, crawling up on me. And everybody was surprised, and my mom's like, ah, now this is just what she does. She'll be fine. So <laughs> ever since I was young, I had this incredible connection with the animals, um, and I felt like uh, I understood them. You know, when I saw that movie E.T. Uh, with, you know, Elliot and E.T. and how they just kind of got each other and felt each other, that's how mm -hmm. I felt with the animals. 
Um, and like many of us, I was also very open to the energies. I would quote unquote see ghosts, you know, like uh, see spirits, see energy, just know things. And of course, back then things were different, right? We didn't have anyone to really tell us about these things. Mm-hmm. So very quickly, um, probably by the age of 12, I got freaked out like so many of us and just shut it down. So I went about my life, and like you said, you know, I I spent 10 years working in advertising, which in retrospect was actually the perfect job leading up to this mindful approach to pet training and pet guardianship that, you know, I've been been sharing with, with so many pet parents. And advertising was so perfect because it's all about understanding nuances, right, the trends, the motivations, reading between the lines, understanding what people are looking for, even when they weren't able to verbalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, towards the end of my career, Purina was one of those brands that I worked on. And I just loved going deeper on the bonds between the pets and the pet parents and, you know, how they felt about their relationship with their pets. So after 10 years in the, you know, in advertising, anybody who's in that industry knows it is a grind. So I finally left. And I was like, what should I do? And, of course, my mind went straight to working with pets. I was in New York City at the time, so I thought a doggy daycare would be the perfect, you know, opportunity to kind of bring my love of pets together with starting my business. And since I had no pets growing up, I figured, well, if I'm going to work with pets, I should learn about pet behavior. So I got certified as a dog trainer, and part of the curriculum was doing one-on-one practice um, sessions with pet parents. And once I got into that, it was all over but the crying. You know, I was like, this is what I want to do. I love this relationship. Um, But, you know, it turned out to be a lot of, quote, unquote, bossing dogs around. You know, I was like, I don't like this just sit and down business. There's got to be more. And so when I was on the verge of quitting dog training and trying to figure out, you know, my next step, animal communication back came back into my life in a really strong way. And I would just walk into these sessions and sit down, and as the humans started explaining what was going on in their life, um, the animals would just be dropping in all this information about their relationships, what was going on, you know, in their careers with their husbands. And it all started kind of um, clicking together how the pet's behavior was very much mirroring what was going on in the human's life more broadly. And uh, one, I, I always remember the year, but after, you know, a few months of that, it was the March equinox. And I remember being knocked out for, gosh, it must have been three days. And on that third day, I woke up bright and early, and this whole roadmap of how our animal companions' behaviors linked up to the universal themes in our human chakras just poured out of me. And I came up with this roadmap called, um, you know, Beyond Behavior, Translating Your Pet's Behavior, linking up common pet behaviors to what was going on energetically in the human. And it has been just such an interesting journey from there on out and expanded in so many ways, from traditional training into doing guided meditations, all with the end goal of helping our animal companionship their behaviors so we can shift our own habits as well and vibe higher. Wow. So it, it, it's helpful. It's for both. It's for the, the pet owners and for the pets themselves. And what I want to ask you is, so you're, very, you're deeply spiritual. So when did all of that come together? Was that always mm-hmm. like um, 
part of mm-hmm. it for you because you you you're very intuitive spiritually and so did you know that right away mm-hmm. working with the animals so, the really interesting thing is i think so many of us who are in our spiritual path and journey we can go back and point at certain things right So for me, I remember in fourth grade learning about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, Maslow's pyramid. Mm -hmm. That always stuck with me. Um, By the time I was in high school, because Brazil is so open with spirituality, I was already certified in Reiki. So the chakras were always very relevant to me. Yeah. wow. Early, okay. So when, Mm -hmm. when it came to the pet training, it all came together because with this roadmap that was downloaded to me, I bring in understanding motivation through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, layer the chakras over that, and then layer the pet's behaviors on top of it. So those three things have been really instrumental in coming up with, and, and I say coming up with, but in our community, I can share more, you know, openly. Mm-hmm. It was the Palladians who came in and just downloaded this within an hour. Um, but I understood all the tools and all the, the um, you know, the backstory to how it all worked together. Okay. So what was the backstory? <laughs> well, the backstory really is that notion that, as we move into this new relationship and this new vanguard for pet guardianship, you know, we can't separate one thing from another. You know, Mm -hmm. not only are we not separate from our animal companions, but we can't separate, you know, the physical considerations from the emotional considerations, from the mental considerations, from the energetic considerations. So if your dog is barking, for example, we want to look at it from every angle. You know, physically, are they, you know, is there discomfort? Is there something physically going on in their bodies? You know, and assuming that's all well, we check that off. Um, You know, from a training and emotional standpoint, are we giving them enough exercise? Are we giving them enough guidance? Have we desensitized them to the noises that are, you know, prevalent in our neighborhoods? Check that Mm -hmm. off. And then energetically, we can go back to that first chakra and say, all right, so if they're barking, if they're feeling like offense is the best defense, do they feel grounded? What's going on in my life that I might feel a little unsettled with? Do I feel grounded? Do I feel like I'm in between jobs? Do I feel like my foundational relationships in my life are a bit tenuous? And so by bringing in those different layers, of course we want to work with our animal companion with traditional training, but we also want to look energetically at what's going on that might be affecting our animal companion's behavior. Because both of us together are working, you know, we have a soul contract with our animal companions, whether in the wild or our pets. And we're really working toward that point of being the best, highest vibrational version of ourselves. And as our animal companions display these behaviors, they're just acting as prompts to get us to look at different patterns and worldviews and habits. So when we vibe higher, so do our pets. We're all on this path of ascension together, working in concert and parallel. Mm-hmm. And so when you're connecting with the animals, like you and I, I was blessed to have a session with you this week, and it was so amazing, first of all. And unlike any pet intuitive session I had ever had, but we went through all of my animals, my living ones, Mm -hmm. which is four now, and one of my past ones, but it was so cute listening to you, like, oh, um, you were listening, like, what they're saying, what they're saying, what they're sharing, and and you were just, so... 
it's like a telepathic communication that you have with them and they really reveal but it's very deep it's very layered mm -hmm. what comes through i mean it's not just what's going on here and now at least you know in my in my case it seemed like it was just much deeper <laughs> I thought yeah, it, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. interesting because different animal communicators get different sorts of information some get a lot of like i like this toy or this food or i want this bed or this routine you know, others get a lot of the medical intuitive stuff. What tends to come through most for me through the animals is what's going on in the human's life that's informing, you know, whatever behavior is going on. Because when we understand our habits, our gifts, our abilities, we get to open up and vibe higher. And when we hold that expansive energy, they tap into that as well, and they're able to shift through their behavior as well. Um, so it, it's really beautiful the way that they bring information through and how for me, it's always such an honor to see the human through the pet's eyes because they see so much more. You know, it's one of our most right. intimate and honest relationships. They know us. They know us at the core. And so they're able to see aspects of ourselves that sometimes we're not even able to face or see or acknowledge the brilliance that we hold. But they sure know how to pull it out and point to it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and another deeper level was like with my cat Cinderella and I had posted on Facebook a week or two ago. She was mm -hmm. I was getting signs that she's you know, she's 14 and a half and and uh, you connected with her. But one of the things that came through was, you know, our connection with Isis and the mm -hmm. Egyptian temples. And, you know, and when she sleeps a lot now and all of these things are going on, she's there already. And she's so mm -hmm. that I had never experienced with another pet intuitive. So that kind of thing. And it was really um, heartwarming and relieving because I'm not. I'm not um, nervous about her passing anymore. I was very sad for the first couple of weeks and it mm -hmm. kind of uplifted me because I was like, oh, okay. And she's not in pain, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But it really supported me with that and on a, on a level that I didn't even anticipate what, what you brought through. So I really appreciated that. Um, yeah. And it's, so neat how, you know, each animal has a tie to these different aspects of ourselves because each of your pets had played a different role, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I found is these kinds of communications have been happening more and more where we're getting to understand our past lives with our animal companions, quote-unquote mm -hmm. past lives, or different aspects or what they're working on with us. Um, the animal companions have brought through a lot about who our star family is. Who are we working with? Who's supporting us? The Palladians, the Venusians, you know, where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. Where's that energy? And all of this is a huge testament to all the work we humans have done um, because we're opening up and we're ready to learn, okay, what's my next connection? What's my soul's purpose? What, you know, who am I being supported by right now in the stars? So it's, it's really cool um, that the animals feel like we're ready for that level of information. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's exciting to understand the just the depth of of connection that we have with these our beautiful pets that goes far far beyond this lifetime, you know. Um, but also, what you know, they're they're reflecting back to us so much of what we need to address. And so I love that you, and it's very empowering as a pet owner or to mm -hmm. to realize what we can do to change um, or, or what they're 
symbolizing for us that we need to address. Um, and then it helps them and it changes their behavior as well. Absolutely. And I yeah. think, you know, in, in this conversation, and then we'll, we'll talk about how the labyrinth mm-hmm. also kind of yes. tie into all this, but, you know, the way I love to think about our relationships with our animal companions is how Wayne Dyer kind of outlines the three phases of initiation or, you know, ascension. And, you know, phase one, he identifies as, you know, the initiation. And there's the catalyst. There's the soul's dark night, right? And this is something maybe it's like physical disease or heartbreak or financial loss. It's something that very much jars us. Um, And that catalyst is what ignites a thirst for knowledge and spiritual connection. And this phase is all about hindsight and separation, right? We feel a separation from our cosmic or creative power, um, we feel like we're going through traumatic times, but in hindsight, we realize why. And that usually feels very much like the 3D construct in reality, right? It's like things are happening to us. There's something very tragic. We feel like we lost something. And sometimes that can be your pet sick or, you know, you lost a pet that you love so much. But that tends to be step one in the path of ascension from 3D to 5D. The second phase is this becoming more mindful, right, catching ourselves as obstacles appear versus, you know, approaching the situation from a victim mentality of, you know, this is happening to me. You know, this is where we're trying to find a blessing within the challenge as it's happening after the fact. This is when we realize that we have a choice in how we perceive our experience and we approach each situation. So, you know, with our pets, for example, if our dog is barking or has on-leash reactivity, Rather than thinking, you know, it has nothing to do with you or, oh, my gosh, why is my dog acting like this and embarrassing me? In those moments in our pet's behavior, we can ask ourselves, you know, what can we learn from this? What is it reflecting in my, in my life? And it allows us to live more mindfully, to take that observer stance and look at each opportunity and interaction with our pets as an opportunity to transform ourselves as well. And then yes. we start getting into that moment. <laughs> where, you know, the third phase, that, that final phase where we're bridged into what we call the 5D, right? We start calling in synchronicity and co-creation. You know, we don't have to learn the hard way anymore. We know what we want, and we view experiences not as good or bad, but just experiences that flow through us. And so, you know, this is what's so beautiful, because as we're working with our animal companions and living with them and sharing our lives and our our time, our energy, our homes with them, we're going through those steps with each of our furry friends. And it's beautiful because now our interactions are not solely based around dog training or asking for commands or going on walks. Now we're able to go on energetic journeys with them. We're able to go on virtual labyrinth walks with them through guided meditation and, you know, sort through some of our energetic clutter. So the same way that our path from the 3D to 5D kind of has those different phases where they're getting more and more expansive and mindful, so is our relationship with our animal companions. And that's why it's so important that we surround ourselves with a soul path who's like-hearted and really takes a more mindful approach to pet guardianship. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love all of that. <laughs> and I told you before we went live, and we'll talk about your offers in a little bit, but one mm-hmm. of them 
really incorporates these mindful practices like labyrinth walking, you know, including mm -hmm. our pets. And I thought, wow, I would have never combined these two things together. <laughs> so tell us, you know, how they actually come together and, mm -hmm. you know, when all this information comes through. And I, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. So. so this whole um, virtual experience, I'll call it, you know, some people call it module, some people call it a course. I call it just the, you know, unleash your prana virtual experience, which is just, you know, guided virtual labyrinth walks alongside animals. Um, this all came to me because on New Year's Day last year, I had this really beautiful experience. Um, which was walking this small stone labyrinth at the top of this beautiful mountain in Malibu overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And it was, you know, I found it because it was like a cool thing to do, you know, in L.A., one of like the top hikes. So I had very little faith in, you know, I thought it was going to be super cheesy, but I went anyway. And, you know, I hiked up the trail, and as I got closer to the top of the mountain where the stone labyrinth was laid out, the energy and the frequency and the vibration just started to rise, like, in a really palpable way. And there was this beautiful, breathtaking view of the ocean. Um, trees were perfectly placed, and there was this gentle breeze. Like, it was absolute perfection. And as I approached the stone labyrinth, I was so happy to realize it was empty. It was just me standing at the top of this beautiful mountain. And, you know, because it was the beginning of a new year and I'd worked through, you know, what you want to release in the past year, I already knew, you know, what I wanted to bring into the labyrinth. So as I prepared to enter, enter the circle, I kind of set my intentions and I began exploring, you know, the circular path. And as I slowly and mindfully walked this winding path, and the circumference couldn't have been larger than like a big area rug, right? It was such an unexpected profound experience. You know, as I walked to that center, I was so touched by seeing, like, the stacked stones and rocks that other people who had walked the same path with the same intention had set down. And, you know, it was every rock was representative of something that may have been painful or burdensome to someone that they wanted to release. And at that moment, I felt such a deep connection and oneness with these people that I never knew, met, or even saw, and also with nature, with the birds singing around me, with the whales and dolphins and fish that were in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And at that center of that stone labyrinth, I just felt this compassion and this just unity that was so hard expanding it, like beyond any expectations. So cut to a few days later, I was, you know, just going on a morning walk to stretch my legs, and halfway into the walk, I was just stopped dead in my tracks, and um, the animals just started downloading to me pages and pages of information on labyrinths, on our ascension as humans, and the role that animals have been playing during even the most critical decision points in our evolution. And so that's that shared spiritual legacy that we'll talk about today. Okay. Yes. Let's get into that. So, so let's get into that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because so, so all of this like channeled through you basically from the animals. Um, and it goes back, and I know you're going to talk about this, you know, mm -hmm. from, you said the times of Atlantis, the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. Let's just get into all that. And then I want to go back and talk more about the labyrinth. Perfect. Okay. So we go way, way back with our animal companions and even animals in the wild, right? If we think back to some of the earliest creative outputs of mankind, and maybe for me, because my mom is an art educator, it always stands out, 
But I always think of those cave drawings in France where the subject that that artist was most interested in immortalizing was animals and horses in particular. And if we go back to the mythology surrounding our own human creation story, right, a lot of us tend to think of the Garden of Eden. And in that Garden of Eden, we were not alone, right? We were with the animals. They lived alongside us, and they even helped us consider and guide our life choices, right? Case that snake who partnered with us to alter the course of humanity. And so in that story, snake has gotten a really bad rap, right? Because everybody says that the snake manipulated Eve and tricked her into taking a bite of the apple, which got us kicked out of this paradise. But what if snake and even animals more generally are working alongside us in a partnership rather than a manipulation, as theology or the biblical stories might suggest? You know, maybe we got this wrong. And so, you know, going deeper with this hypothetical, using the insights from the animals that they downloaded after that labyrinth walk, they really showed me how that mythology of the Garden of Eden and even this notion of paradise lost, it can be found conceptually across various cultures, right? Stories of paradise lost permeate cultures, continents, millennia. You know, we are all, all familiar with the biblical story of the Garden of Eden, but, you know, in ancient Greece and Guatemala, you know, cultural anthropologists always reference um, the, Samor the Sumerian story of paradise lost, which is very sim uh, similar. There's also similar mythology of paradise lost that lives in Chinese Taoist tradition, the Greeks have this beautiful story of the Golden Age, and there's the common notion of a, what they call a primordial paradise is central to almost every tribal tradition across the globe, across Africa, Iceland, India, the Americas, Australia. Another parallel of paradise lost is Atlantis, right? And the common thread among all these stories is, one, that humans had a very strong, direct connection to the universal source. In the biblical story, for example, it was God. Two, that humans had a sense of abundance and a feeling that there was a lack for nothing. And three, that animals lived in very close communion and communication with mankind. And in every single case, this blissful state ended abruptly through human action and decision. And so what the animals were showing me is that this was really just the great experiment, which is what a lot of us call that decision that we made as a human collective to split from the oneness consciousness in order to go through this discovery process of finding that spiritual unity again. So if we return to the story of, like, the Garden of Eden and Atlantis, right? In Atlantis, for example, human civilization was very directly tuned into the universal source of knowledge, Many of us have been shown that the animals work side by side with us in, collabor in collaboration and partnership, right? They weren't viewed as our pets or beings who needed to be in our care. They were sentient spiritual beings with their own knowledge, wisdom, magic, customs, cultures, and kind of life paths. You know, in Atlantis with the animals, we connected telepathically. Animal communication was simply communication, right? No qualification needed not unlike how Eve was said to communicate with the snake. And similarly to the Garden of Eden, you know, the mythology of Atlantis shows that there was an abundance of knowledge, um, which brought about corruption and power. And in this case of Atlantis, the civilization, or, you know, the Garden of Eden, whatever, the humans were kicked out of paradise. But in both cases, 
Humans with access to too much quote-unquote godly knowledge and connection were deprived by an outside higher power. But that's the misconception. What if we chose as the human collective to experience the other side of that God knowledge and God consciousness, the individuation, the disconnection, right? What if this greater power who quote-unquote, you know, revoked access to paradise was actually our collective human consciousness making the choice, you know, for us as humans to walk this ascension path. And because of our tremendous connection with our animal brothers and sisters when we were in that unity consciousness or paradise, the animals agreed to walk alongside us on this adventure. They chaperone and they guide us on this journey, kind of holding the knowledge and the remembrance of who we truly are as humans before we went on this great experiment. And they remember on our behalf that we chose this disconnection, even when we don't remember that. So our animals are keeping us company and acting as beacons as we embark on this journey back to our remembrance of connection and oneness. And our animal companions basically serve as, you know, those all-knowing sidekicks in the hero's journey. They're sharing with us signs, clues, and spiritual breadcrumbs along our path of remembrance. And Mm. so that's truly, you know, taking this notion of paradise lost and just flipping it on its head. We weren't kicked out. We didn't lose anything. We weren't corrupted. We chose to kind of go back to this place of individuation disconnection so that we can find our way back. And our animals who have always been our partners are here with us for that journey. Even if sometimes it feels like we're the caregivers, they're the ones who are watching out for us. Hmm, fascinating. So all of this information came through for after that labyrinth walk. And so how, okay, with the labyrinth, and if someone has never, is not familiar with that, you, you described it very well, but for someone who doesn't, it's just a, a circular path with stones that someone follows. It's for, it's a mindful practice um technique or whatever you want to call it but how how do you um because in your special offer you're offering these experiential things where the animal companions are included or intended to be included in this yeah so um let's start with what constitutes a labyrinth because i also want people to realize that you know a labyrinth can be anything from a circular path drawn in the ground in the dirt with a stick to a maze set up using a yarn in your living room. It can be a beautifully complex design like we find in France in the Chartres Cathedral. Um, It can be, you know, um, plants, you know, that plant mazes in a garden. Basically what it is is a sacred container. And in our labyrinth walking experiences, I've printed up the option of what they call a finger labyrinth, which you can use your finger or a pencil to kind of walk the labyrinth on a piece of paper. So, you know, for those of you who live in small studio apartments in New York City like I used to, you know, space is not an issue. And the way that the labyrinths work is just so fascinating. Again, I knew nothing about labyrinths until they started downloading this stuff and having me Google. And, you know, labyrinths are so beautiful because the way that they're made up, they con- their, um, their shape is basically made up by an outer circle and an inner circle. And inside it, you could kind of fit a square. And so mm-hmm. basically, the outer circle represents the heaven, the 
square inside it represents Earth, and that central little point at the labyrinth when you've gotten to the middle, that represents heaven. And so when you are walking a labyrinth, you are basically smushing together the energies and dimensions and realms of heaven and earth. And when you're walking toward the center, you're bringing earthly, you know, 3D plane energy into a more spiritual, um, sacred space. As you reach the center, you've reached your heart, and that's where the truth resides. That's where you can have deep conversations. You can release anything you'd like to release. A lot of people, you know, in an actual labyrinth put stones in the middle. And then as you walk that out, back out from the center back into, you know, the outside of the labyrinth, you're basically bringing those insights, high vibrations, and quote-unquote heavenly energy back out onto earth. Um, so there's something really beautiful and metaphorical about it. Um, that path of going, you know, circling in and then circling back out through the spiral also is a very balancing energy. So it balances mm -hmm. your logical and your emotional side, your, your masculine and your feminine side. And, you know, I thought this would be such a wonderful opportunity to share these experiences as a special offer because we're at that half point of the year. So it's kind of bringing the, the energy of the first half of the year and then circling back to weave in higher energy for the second half. And then um, on these live experiences, a lot of people bring their pets along with them, whether it's, you know, energetically. Some people actually talked about, you know, walking in circles in their living room and the pets would, like, follow them, <laughs> which is quite adorable. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have pets, each labyrinth experience has a, what I call an animal sponsor. So, like, when we walk the labyrinth in Pomar, Portugal, um, which is just such a magical vibration, horse walks with us. When we're walking the energy of Kuna Canyon, which is where I actually walked that labyrinth before I got all the downloads, mm -hmm. we have hawk with us. Um, so we have a bunch of different, or sorry, we have wolf with us. When we're walking the energy of Stonehenge, we have hawk with us. So if you want to bring your animal companions, you also have the added benefit of an animal sponsor. Well, since we're talking about this, if someone wants, and then we'll go, we're going to take live callers and all of that, too, for, for many pet readings. But um, let's go ahead and have people pull it up if they want to follow along, because this is part of your offer. Um, it can be found, there's two of them. They can be found at straighttalkforthesoul.com. Click on our marketplace. Uh, you'll see Denise's beautiful, smiling face. Click on her picture. And... Um, this is the first um, offer, offer A. It's Unleash Your Inner Prana. And you'll see the picture of the labyrinth on this page. And so it's three virtual labyrinth walks and one bonus module. But are these videos? Are they audios? Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge fan of slideshow presentations because, you know, we all learn and absorb information in different ways. So mm -hmm. these are all pre-recorded slideshows. And so the first, the bonus one, the intro module, um, is all about grounding us in the energy, the symbolism, and the meaning of labyrinths. And um, you also will download a practice finger labyrinth, just the hang of what it's like to, quote, unquote, walk a labyrinth virtually. The first virtual labyrinth walk takes pl place in Tuna Canyon. And this also is going to be a pre-recorded slide because we slideshow 
because we always start with the didactic information. Where is Tuna Canyon? Who were the people who lived in this area? What was life like for them? You know, who's wolf and what symbol of it, what's the symbolism of wolf and how is wolf supporting us in this particular location? And then we go through the guided um, virtual walk, and that's going to be a 30-minute MP3. And you can go through that guided walk, whether on the pre-recorded slideshow, but you also have access to just download that as an MP3. Mm -hmm. um, that way, which is an audio file, that way if you want to go through the virtual labyrinth walk when you're in the woods or in the park or on the beach, you can just tap in like it's, you know, a track on a CD and go through that 30-minute walk. I always highly recommend to do each virtual walk over and over again because you get new insights each time you go and you set a new intention. Beautiful. Um, so there's three different ones. So that one is in Tuna Canyon. And then the next one is um, with the this horse. Is Tomar. Yes. Yeah. So this is Tomar Cathedral, which if anybody has been to Portugal, um, Tomar has the Templar Cathedral. And this is one of the most beautiful cathedrals that I've ever seen in my life because it's octagonal. And it was a cathedral with this huge barn door entrance. And the Knights Templar used to walk that, um, that octagonal shape, that cathedral, with their horses preparing for their next mission. So when you go in there and you feel the meditation, the prayer, the intention from all those eras past, it's just really powerful and strong. So we go from the very open, airy, Malibu, Pacific Ocean, Tuna Canyon, alongside this really beautiful gilded experience with the Tomar Cathedral and horse with all of horses um, grounded Arcturian energy. The next virtual experience, the third one, is Stonehenge with Hawk. And so here we're, we're um, channeling into the energy of Stonehenge where we gain insight into what we need to know and trust regarding divine timing and our connection with the universe. So Hawk kind of acts as our mediator between us and the universal, the sky energies. And I love the timing of it because we're coming up to the summer solstice and Stonehenge mm -hmm. is so powerful and charged during that time as well. So you can, um, you know, either time it to do that virtual walk on the summer solstice or just do it again. You know, it, it's a fun thing to kind of celebrate that day. And then so we have those four modules, the first one, which is just kind of getting people um, grounded in labyrinths, how to use them, why we use them, how they represent our ascension. We have our first virtual walk to Tuna Canyon with Wolf. We have our second to Tomar Cathedral with Horse. Our third virtual walk to Stonehenge, to Stonehenge with Hawk. And then the final bonus item that I wanted to offer is an invitation to join our Soul Pack private membership group live oracle card reading. And this is super fun. Our soul pack gets together the first Tuesday of each month, and we just pull cards for, for everyone and get a sense of what this month is going to bring. And if you join, um, you know, you can join halfway throughout the month, and then you'll get invitation for the first Tuesday the following month after you join. So it's an additional live experience for us to be able to connect and, and get some messages for you. Nice. And there's also a five-day bonus offer, which is translating Beyond Behavior ebook uh, for mm -hmm. pet parents um, mm -hmm. or pet trainers or wellness practitioners yep. or healers. 
Um, so that's if you get this package in the first five days here. Um, so all of that is in offer A. Um, it's $97. We have the three pay option. And then offer B is um, mm -hmm. all of that plus a private session with you, which I know many people probably mm -hmm. be interested in. This is a 30-minute intuitive session. Um, what's also fascinating we haven't talked about is the mm -hmm. numerology component because you include it's a numerology assessment with our pets. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you tap into our pets, there's a numerology component, it's all recorded. Um, so <laughs> I've never met um, a pet intuitive who's also included numerology, so that was also super <laughs> unique about our session together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, numerology with our animal companions is fascinating. I started noticing when I was doing dog training and opening up to more of the energetic side, every time I worked with a Leo, they had separation anxiety. I'm like, what is up with that? And, you know, as the universe tends to do, I was killing time between sessions in a spiritual store looking at the crystals. And this woman, so tall, so slender, with raven hair, I swear she was not of this world, just walked up to me with a numerology book and goes, you need this. And I was like, well, who am I to, <laughs> to say no? And I started learning about numerology and finding how wonderful and practical and helpful it is to compare the numerology between the humans and the pets names because it gives so many clues into our tendencies our motivations how our numbers kind of work together um yeah so that's part of the reading when we do a reading a 30-minute animal communication session i will have pulled numerology on your name and on your pets names to kind of get a sense of some of the energetic messages they want to start bringing through I highly encourage it, everyone. If you've joined in late, I had a, I mentioned earlier, I had a session with Denise earlier this week and it was, it was the most unique pet intuitive session I've ever had. It was so beautiful and so, I don't know, it was very meaningful and it provided a lot of relief for me. It was just, I really thank you for that and I hope that those of you who have not worked with Denise or even if you have, you'll consider this. Um, it'll be a beautiful opening into your relationships with your your pets <laughs> and, and an understanding of yourself as we've talked about here, how everything is like a mirror and it's um, their behaviors are reflections of something we need to address. Um, but there's so much deeper stuff, like I mentioned when you were talking about Cinderella and our, our connection with Egypt and ISIS and all of that and, you know. So be prepared, you guys. It could go a lot of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, in the numerology component for the pets, I thought was really fascinating in conjunction with us. That was, I had never experienced that understanding. So that was really fascinating and helpful. So, uh, so thank you for these beautiful offerings, my dear. And, um, I would love to move into some of the many readings. You can connect with any animal um, and it's star two to raise your hand. I know a lot of you are, have your hands up already. So if you could just tell us your name, um, the pet, and I guess the pet's name, Denise, and then a yes. specific question, you know, whether it's about mm -hmm. their behavior or something. We just want to keep it to one question. Um, and uh, that'll be really helpful for Denise and, and all of us here. So, okay, Denise, are you ready? I'm excited. I can't wait. This is the fun. Okay. 
Okay, more hands go up. Um, hmm. Where do I start? Okay, I'm going to start right here at the top. All right, I'm going to go to area code um, 212, and I know you know that area code, Denise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 212, you are live. Hi, this is Jill from New York City. Hi, Denise. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? <laughs> oh, it's so, as I always say, I'm completely fascinated um, listening to you all the time with all of your messages. So fantastic. Wonderful. Aw, well, thank you. You know, I just knew you were going to be first. I almost was. Do you guys know each other? Do you know each other? We know each other from. Listening from me listening to Denise on these calls. And oh, okay. You're a fan. Vet. You're a... <laughs> okay. Um, yes, and um, and I know lots of people who go to this vet now. So, um, so thanks for everything so far. So I have my cat Buddha, who you've t- you know told me great things about before. That I've nailed it with his name and all this, but he. Um, he cries out and is like it's sometimes it's like a shrill cry, and mm-hmm. I um you know sometimes they just think he needs attention and stuff, and then I'll go to play mm-hmm. with him and he sort of walks away, so it's mm-hmm. sort of like placate him mhm, so here's what he's showing, which is so interesting, and I feel Joby's never physically met, but I feel we're the same age group where remember when there was like the kitchen landline phone and it was like that really long coil and it gets mm-hmm. twisted, and then you hold the the phone from the bottom and then it untwists yeah um he's that's what he's showing. So he's showing that, especially around um, the throat chakra and down into the heart chakra, kind of into that third. So he's asking you to untwist. It's like things have gone, he's showing me um, the counterclockwise. It's gone too tight on the counterclockwise. He needs help on the clockwise. So even if you stand over him and just in a clockwise motion, um, almost like you're stirring a big pot, with your fingers pointing down to the ground, help him detangle that energy and bring it up. Um, he just got a little mixed up. He, what he says is he's been um, working in the energies. He's been going to um, doing some spiritual work, not too far away, which is interesting. Um, but on, the, where he was going to do the energy, things were reversed, almost like he jumped through the mirror, and then everything was a little bit backwards. So then when he came back out, it twisted up. Um, so help him untwist that energy with a clockwise motion. He's just frustrated. He's like, this is super annoying. It's like as if you had a hangnail and you, you're, like, trying to get it off or bite it off. So that's what's okay, going perfect. on. Okay, perfect. I can do all that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so helpful. Oh, my goodness. You're the best. Um, well, thanks, Jill, yeah. for, for being here, and um, I'm glad that was helpful. Thank you, you so much. All right. Thanks, Jill. Okay, thank you, Denise. Um, okay, um, next caller is area code 425. Uh, you're live with us, 425. Hi, this is, do you hear me? Yes. Right. Um, yeah, this, my name's Carrie, and my question is about my, my beloved cat, Vida, and mm-hmm. she's had cancer and been on medication that, um, to control mm-hmm. the cancer, but obviously it has side effects. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she is 
telling me that she's either ready to go or just doesn't want that medication, which would probably mean the same mm-hmm. thing. I really want to mm-hmm. honor her path. She's incredible mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Do what she wants. So can I just um, confirm, Carrie, is it Zeta, like Catherine Zeta-Jones, or Vita, like life in Italian? Life in Italian. Okay, perfect. Okay. So let me just tap into that. First of all, thank you for sharing this with us because this is something that so many pet parents experience, mm-hmm. and it's it's really one of those moments where we're like we have trust in the universe, but we really want to get this one right. Exactly. Um, and so I, I so appreciate you sharing with that. And you know, the the next in the next breath, I do need to say I'm not a vet and I'm not a medical intuitive. So trust your instincts. Consult with your vet. But I can tell you what's going on in the energy that she'd like you to know. Um, the beauty of Vita, she has this 11 energy in the middle of her name, so she is a little bit of this bridge vibration. And um, she says it, it's interesting because she's bridging the space right now. She's opening up her little uh, physical body for other energies to come in, pop in, and test it and, like, check out the view and then hop out. So what she's saying is the medication's making her a little extra nauseous and a little less able and in control of her energy to be able to allow these little um, soul or energetics for them to come in, check out the earth, and go. And this is important because it's a very important role she's playing for the animal companions. Um, there's a lot of um, little souls, you know, that haven't fully embodied, and they're checking in to see if earth is something they'd want to do. So it's almost like a free sample, if you will, through her body, like a little gaze, a feeling, a sensation of what it would be. And then they decide whether or not they want to embody. Um, one thing that's, that also Vita is representing for all of us here on the call is that we are in a really interesting gateway. And it used to be a lot of us might think of Lionsgate, August 8th. Um, in the past, that has always been a very big, quote-unquote, departure date or exit date for a lot of our animal companions. Right around that time, a lot of animal companions decide to say goodbye and, and kind of move on and cross over so that they can hold higher vibrations as beacons for us so that we can now vibrate a little higher. What's happening with everything going on in the world, that window has stretched. So it's stretched from 4-4 to 8-8. So Vita is within that beautiful little gateway where we are seeing a lot of animal companions transition or hold the space for the in-between animals to be able to come in, peek, you know, do what they got to do, then pass back out. So you might find that she decides to depart when she feels her work is done, or she might find that she comes back even stronger or better. I know, Carrie, we, we saw that with, with um, Cinderella a little bit, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, we did. Um, so this is part of, you know, Vita is part of a bigger mission for the animal. And Vita has this beautiful connection to the Orion beings, which is beautiful. A lot of cats have more of that Lyran connection, but she's connected to the Orion beings. And oh. the Orion beings are very much um, diplomats, if you will. Like, um, you know, we think a lot of the Orion Council. They kind of sit around and think of what's best for the collective. So a lot of what she's doing right now isn't necessarily what she would want to do for herself. If she had her druther, she'd be with you snuggling up on you and nothing but paying attention to you. But she has this aspect of herself which is in service to the greater good for the other little animal energies that haven't embodied yet. 
um, and of course the humans that they would then tend to. So that's a little bit of the explanation of what's going on with her right now. Okay, so let me clarify. She's not mm-hmm. saying, get me off the medication so I can pass over. She's saying, it's getting in the way of my job, and maybe I should just work mm-hmm. on nausea. That's what we're thinking. That's what, what seems to be coming through. Um, you know, so if, if the medication is helping with nausea or something else, you could always use maybe, you know, ask for floor and, of course, check with your vet. But maybe some natural alternatives like CBD could help a bit with the nausea or a little chamomile, you know, in the water. Um, but, yeah, you, you understood that she's not saying take me off the meds so I can go. She's saying these meds are kind of interfering a little bit with My what mission. I'm working on. <laughs> but that being said, I always say, Carrie, there's no wrong decision in this moment. So if you get a hit of, you know what, I still feel she has to be on her medications or I still feel that she might need some help transitioning, trust yourself, trust your gut, work with your vet or pet professional um, because there's always physical things we can do and energetic things we can do. Mm -hmm. So if you decide, you know what, she should stay on her medications, I just don't feel right about pulling her off, then energetically help her clear her space and clear out room in her little energetic field to allow these energies to come in. Um, you see what I'm saying? So they're not mutually exclusive. Right. I'm trained in HTA, and I just need to do that more with her as well as a, mm-hmm. a few other things, like you say, for the nausea. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. So much. All right. Thank yeah, you, Karen. Thank you to you. And, and by the way, Vita, um, she she seems really strong in her resolve. So she's, she's no um, shrinking violet, I guess you would say it. So she'll let you know with a lot of certainty what she needs. Yeah, she's got a lot of grace mm-hmm. and a lot of heart, and she is no pushover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks, Carrie, for being with us, and um, I, I hope that was helpful. Isn't it interesting, Carrie? Like that that information, I, I found it really interesting when she was reading, you know, my animal. So, um, hope that was helpful. It was definitely. Thank you both. All right, thanks, mm-hmm. Carrie. Um, okay, Denise, moving right along, I'm going to go to area code 250. You're live. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Denise. This is such a great call. Um, my favorite topic, animals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, You're in good company. You, can we you... agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, wow. Which question? Um, so my cat Bailey, she goes outside and, but there's a cat that comes around that picks on her all the time. And, um, I'm just wondering if there's anything you can, like why that's going on. He keeps coming around and, and she does not like him. She's scared of him. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure we go out and rescue her, but, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. what's your, I'm sorry, I think I, I missed your first name. Sherry. Sherry. Okay, perfect. And Sherry, and it's Bailey, like Bailey's Irish Cream. Right. Okay, perfect. Okay. So the really beautiful thing about Bailey is um, she's representing and mirroring back some of this divine, innocent female energy. And so let me see how they want to kind of exemplify that a little bit. Okay. So it's the – they're going to bring us roundabout here. 
So there's these videos that you might have seen going around on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, if you're on social media, it's not no problem, but they tend to use these kind of pop culture references for me for shorthand. And it's these young children, and it's kind of like set up. They set up a camera, and they set it up so this young little child is asked, like somebody approaches them and says, hey, come, come with me, get pizza. And the little kid says, I don't know who you are. And they're sitting next to, quote, unquote, the test subject. And it's just like, you know, regular adults. And every time without fail, the adult goes, whoa, 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 this kid doesn't know you. No, we're going to wait for her mom. Like, there's that protection element. And so this is a little bit of what Bailey is reflecting back to you. Um, it's that, that reiteration that time and time again, you have, you can always be trusted to save and protect the divine innocent feminine. So that little girl, the, the divine little girl energy, keep her safe and protected from harm's way. And that's a reflection of whether or not physically something happened in childhood, you were still able to emotionally care and cater for her. And you're this incredible, like, mama bear energy in that way. <laughs> and so they're showing this huge ripple effect of it starts with, you know, your own divine innocence all the way to, like, if you ever saw a child, you would be the first one there to protect her, but also in kind of global and universal energy. So it's actually very interesting that you come on the cusp of the Orion connection with Orion Council because they're all about that protection. And you bring in that Arcturian vibration who are truly that yellow, beautiful, golden protection of the universe. Um, so with Bailey, it's this reminder time and time again that you are the protector. You are the championer. You are the nurturer. You have succeeded. You don't have to worry that you didn't succeed. Wow. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> and it's really wow. quite beautiful, Sherry, because around you right now are a ton of fairy energy. So you have a lot of fairies, too. Mm -hmm. It's this beautiful innocence that you protect. You're a divine protector of the innocence of this planet. Um, and so you're part of their uh, their hive in that way. Mm -hmm. Sherry. Wow. <laughs> She's taking it all in. I am. I'm tears are plus. Thank you. Wow. I, yeah. I will see what I can do to um, have a have a session so, with you. That is that is beautiful. Yeah. Mm. And so, just the final kind of piece there is so when Bailey's out there and you're quote unquote protecting her, and Bailey's like, by the way, I'm no dummy. I know that when I go out there, there's this situation that's going to happen. It's sort of like she's doing that. <laughs> as a proxy, because every time you defend her, there's that ripple energy and effect into everything else. So you see what I'm saying? Every time you go out and, inter and intervene on her behalf, it's like helping send that intervention energy throughout the echoes of the layers. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, I worship her already, but it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, how's that for co-creation? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That. That's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sherry, yeah, thank so you glad for... you're here. I, I, yes, I am so grateful. Yes, Sherry, I love you very much and, and all that you do and who you are and all of your speakers. I'm just so very grateful. Thank you. Oh, love you too, Sherry. And say hi yeah. to Bailey. <laughs> I, I will. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye, Sherry. 
Okay. Thank you, Denise, for that. I'm actually going to go next to, um, it's a web call from Belgium, and it is Anne. Anne, hi, are you there? Anne, can you hear us? Oh, I didn't unmute you. Hold on. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Anne, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, and I saw your message in the webcast, too, so I wanted to get you live, voice to voice. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Denise. Hi, Carrie. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I um, I would tell it as brief as I can that um, after two years of appearing in dreams and meditations, uh, a dog came in my dreams and my meditations, and she was a Maltese. And her name, she told me very clearly that she wanted to be named Lily with a double L. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, well, after two years, I finally decided to go for a Maltese because in the past we always had tackles with us in the family. And mm -hmm. so it was completely new for me. And when I finally got my puppy in December, she was hardly a week with me. She was nine weeks old. And I got very, mm -hmm. very I went to ER, ICU, I was in coma for um, 16 days, and mm -hmm. uh, so in that period, um, we had to find a foster family for Lily, for Lily mm -hmm. Rose, and uh, mm -hmm. well, after the revalidation and everything, next weekend, she will finally come back home to me. Mm -hmm. I have been talking to her energetically because the foster uh, family is far away and I couldn't mm -hmm. visit her in the meantime. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I was hoping for kind of a, a nice, quiet dog. And now mm -hmm. the foster family always tells me that she's very, very energetic, mm -hmm. uh, very vibrant. But uh, mm -hmm. so I am a bit anxious to get her from a family mm -hmm. with children, a garden, two other dogs, mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. a single woman living in an apartment, no other mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. uh, how will she react and how can I best cope to mm -hmm. try to, mm -hmm. yeah, the change for her, her the change for me? <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're glad that you're better now and mm -hmm. that Lily will be coming home with you because, my goodness, what a beautiful connection you have with her. And I love how she's incredibly specific about her name. That double L was very important because it carries the master vibration of 33 over 6, which is the cosmic connection. It's us understanding our role in the universe. It's us understanding our puzzle piece in the energetics. And this is what Lily is here for you to, to, uh, to work through. And even her name vibrates at a 17, which is 1, which is the self, and 7, which is the seventh chakra connected to the universal energy. So her role in your life is incredibly clear. So it does feel, and I, I love how as we do these phone calls, there's, there tends to be common themes, and the common themes in this interview tends to be the galactic energy. The mm -hmm. galactic energy that she brings in for you, which is fascinating. I've never met this energy, Neptune, <sighs> um, the planet Neptune. So do some research on planet Neptune, on Trident, on, um, uh, what's his name? Ah, the fork, uh, blah, 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 the, the Greek god with the fork who was, you know, I think really? his name actually might have been Neptune. And yes, um, 
And so do some, some, some research on that. And then behaviorally, what she's talking to you about are a few things. One mm-hmm. is um, don't worry about my behavior because I pick up. I'm like the ocean. I'm very tuned into the climate around me. So because there's kids in a huge yard, she's very hyped up. But when she's with you, her energy is going to match more of yours. That being said, there's a few things that are interesting that she's asking for. Um, I almost don't believe her because I know dogs don't love this, but she's talking about water and swimming as being very good exercise for her. Um, So maybe it's putting her in the bathtub and having her, you know, splash around in there, or maybe it's even getting a big um, inflatable or plastic kid's pool and putting balls in there. Um, I love putting plastic balls or tennis balls and letting them just kind of jump around in it as if they were jumping in and out of waves. Those kind of activities that mimic water, that mimic swimming, are going to be helpful to help release some of her energy. And then it is still going to be required that you do training with her, the traditional training, the teaching her to sit, the look, the stay, the touch. All those things are important to open the line of communication with her, but also help tire her out mentally. The other thing she wants you to know is Maltese in particular, the reason she came to you as a Maltese is Mm -hmm. because Maltese were known as a breed that are a one-person dog. They, They were bred, from what I understand, to be in the kimono of the empress, to attack anyone who came near her. (laughs) So she's very much a one-person dog. And in this foster family, it was fun for her, but there were too many people. She, you know, it was like she prefers, she will do better with a one-person family. So Mm -hmm. that's what she wants you to know. Okay, thank you. Oh, wow. (laughs) All good information for you, Anne, and I am so happy you're doing better. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. And I myself, I, I am very fond of water and taking baths, and so so. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> Perfect. You're aligned. Um, well, many mm-hmm. blessings to you and to the beautiful Lily, and and uh, enjoy thank her. Thank you very much for the message, and thank you for letting me mm-hmm. having this opportunity. Thank you both of You're you. You're welcome. All right. Much love to you, Lily. Okay, Denise. Love that. Um, Okay. I'd like to take a couple from the webcast. Um, A lot of you wrote in a while back. Write back in to let me know you're still here um, because there's so many messages here that um, uh, I'd love to get some feedback from you. So I'm going to go to the top here. Um, So Barb, B-A-R-B, she's from London, she mm-hmm. says Rocky is great and sends his love. I'm assuming that's Aww. one for pets. Yes. Or do you know her? Or do you know her? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, okay. Rocky's great, sends his love. But Leah is here and seems to need some help. She's decorating Aww. the carpets rather than her litter, or rather than the litter box mm-hmm. with all her energy. Mm, bless her little heart. All right, dearest Barb, so lovely to be in touch with you. And it's so much fun to be on these calls and get hellos from the pets, too. <laughs> I just love it. Um, 
So here's the thing going on with Leah. She's bringing us back to that first and second chakra, and she's just feeling um, – it almost feels like she's on an earthquake, like like a rolling earthquake under her feet. And it has to do for Leah in particular with the um, the eclipse season that we're undergoing. It's like too many things going on astrologically that she's very, very sensitive to right now. And it's like planetary alignment, boom, um, eclipse boom, super full moon, boom. Like, it's just, she's like, it's too much. I'm feeling discombobulated. I almost also feel like a little bit of, like, migraine like vertigo, if you will. Um, and, again, I'm not a medical intuitive, so sometimes this can be more just like of an energetic um, situation. So what she's asking, oof, and I'm getting a wave of nausea, so let me just uh, let that one pass. Oof. So what she's asking for your help with, Barb, is to help kind of grounding her. So if she doesn't like to be touched, even just hovering or imagining your hands almost in a V at the bottom of her little, like, you know, with your palms near her tail and your fingers pointing more towards her head, just sending this beautiful healing energy to her first and second chakras. Um, her Sixth and seventh chakras are super activated now with everything going on um, in the cosmos. And so she needs to have that energy pulled down and anchored into her first and second chakras. And that's going to help a little bit with the vertigo. Um, the accident, she's not necessarily pissed off at anything or angry at this moment. It's just the she has she's just kind of um, not in full control of her body. It's sort of like when we're sick and we're not feeling good, and if we can't make it to the restroom, we have a bucket next to us. It's that kind of vibe that's going on. Mm -hmm. So help her bring that energy from the sixth and seventh chakra where it feels actually very overwhelming, and I feel, like, dizzy from it. Just bring it down into that first and second chakra for her. Okay. Barb, my dear, I hope that you heard that. Lots of love to you and Rocky and Leah, of course, and um, thank you for and being Barb, with us. And Barb, one more thing. I think Barb actually has had access to the Labyrinth course. If you haven't, you might consider it because that balancing energy of the going in and going out also is going to help kind of bring through the energy from the mental into more of like the physical, you know, the lower chakras. So um, if she has access to those recordings, to you know, maybe a good time to bring them back out. If not, consider me maybe, um, you know, one of the packages. But the labyrinth or the principles of the balancing through the labyrinth can be helpful, too. I feel that nausea, too. Oof. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? Um, clear, clear. Okay. Um, Linda. Linda from Maple Valley. Um, she said, my dear dog, Shiva was diagnosed mm -hmm. with a large tumor, and I want to give her the best the rest of her life life possible. Just checking to see if anything comes to you from her. Shiva is 11, and I love her so much. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That's Linda. Linda oh, and Shiva. Mm, sweet Shiva. So, Linda, thank you for sharing. Again, it's, it's so interesting how we get some of these kind of cyclical questions um, and truly what this, what Shiva's kind of bringing through for us is she's reflecting back how a massive dense energy can affect our entire body and shift things within our energetic field. 
So with Shiva having this dense mass that's kind of affecting her quality of life um, or, you know, kind of having an effect on her body because she's not showing me like any pain or suffering and our animal companions are very good at being able to hop out of their body if it's uncomfortable and then coming back in. Um, she's asking you to revisit not only for yourself but others in your family, where are the dark masses and the energy that's just dense, maybe something you're holding on to, maybe something you haven't released yet or something you're still processing. It's that reminder to look for them almost the size of tennis balls in somebody's energetic aura and allow them to kind of dissipate and sort through or even simply just like, like almost like if you were throwing, a, you know, putting like tissue through a straw, just kind of like push it out. There's something really interesting for you, Linda, that has to do with your ability to do um, spiritual surgery. So part of this experience with Shiva is you opening up and understanding better your abilities to do spiritual surgery. She says, she was so funny. She says to me, she's like, you're no medical intuitive, but my mom is. Um, so it's an opportunity to, to, to go deeper into that beautiful skill that you have, understanding the energy, how you see imbalances in energies, and how you're able to clear out those dense masses. Um, so as you work with Shiva, you could even start practicing on her, on how you might go about spiritual surgery with her as a way to translate it to other humans and animals and, you know, energies and entities in your life. Wow, that is fascinating. Um, Linda, I hope you heard that. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Denise. I want to go to Mel. Mel says, my dog Skippy needs some help. Can you ask what he, what he wants? He's my shaman dog. I love him uh, so dearly. He's suffering today and it immediately triggers that feeling of loss and overwhelming mm -hmm. grief. Can you connect and ask him what he's teaching me here, please? Mm, Mel and Skippy. So, so interesting, Mel. Thank you for sharing. And when we see our animal companions in pain, it can be something very difficult for us. And it's interesting because in this call and also recent readings, this has been coming through a lot that the animal companions want to share with us. And the way that our animal companions see their body breaking down, being in a little bit more of pain, and even the transitioning, they see it as a beautiful ritual, a process. It's their turn to undergo. There's something um, that, that they show that is incredibly, and you, you hit the nail on the head that he's very shamanic. Um, it's something very much like an honor, like a, a ritual, like a, uh, what's the word we're looking for here? Skippy, help us out, man. A um, rite of passage is the word that he's using. So going through discomfort of the body, going through changes in breathing, going through changes of eating, go, being able to identify that in the body and identify it in their eyes and their soul very much is a rite of passage, and they're going through the phases. Um, Skippy in particular is bringing through um, an invitation for you to explore the, I think it's called like the seven Tibetan rites of passage when it comes to transition. There's like these different phases and there's different spiritual significance to each. Um, so he's inviting you to go through that same shamanic transition with him. Um, you know, in shamanic tradition, I know they talk about having a, a beautiful death to different aspects of ourselves. So he's asking you to look at this as a 
ceremony, a rites of passage, something that he's seen happen and that now he gets to undergo as almost like a graduation. Um, and he's asking for you to look at it the same way and go through the steps with him. Mm, okay. Mel, thank you for being here. So much mm-hmm. love to you and Skippy. And um, uh, let let me know you heard that, my dear. Um, let me see. Tama. Tama is in California. Hi, Tama. She said, Denise and Carrie, I love this beautiful call. Our ranch life is full of love, lovely animals and sassy uh, feral cats. Um, <laughs> we don't have animals that come into the house, but we but we love 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 them. Would they or some of them come through? Mm-hmm. So here's the beautiful part, right? We have our animal companions who provide us very specific, specific details about, um, you know, what's going on in our lives. We know every nuance of their behavior because we know them so intimately and well. And then we have the wild animals or animals that we interact with, but they're not like our cuddle buddies necessarily, like the feral cats. So for you, what's coming through with the the collective consciousness of the cats, which is pretty cool, is they're actually bringing us back to Atlantean times with you. Um, and so for you, the cats are bringing in and recalling back your work with crystals and with rocks of the land. And in particular, being able to, <laughs> it's so interesting the way they talk about like moving mountains, but really what they're talking about is creating energetic fields using the different vibrations of the crystals. Um, so they're having you play an experiment with crystals in, like, water to change the vibration of the drinking water for you and your, your you know, partners and family and loved ones. Um, and it's interesting because it almost feels like something that you might be doing for friends, bottling up and sharing or just teaching the ways of. But the, the cats are really signaling in and helping anchor in the information of the work you do with rocks and crystals to affect the vibration and molecular density around them. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emma, I hope you heard that. Um, Linda wrote back in to tell you, she said, thank you so much from both Shiva mm-hmm. and myself for your insights. My heart is overflowing with gratitude and love to you both for helping us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Linda, Aww, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, Mel did just try back in. She said, oh, my God, I had no idea he was transitioning. Skippy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so keep in mind that when they talk about this, it's also like it doesn't mean transitioning much in like the shamanic way. When we say have a good death, it's a good death of an aspect of ourselves. So he might not be physically crossing over to the other side, but something is shifting in him. Something big is being released in him. So be with him, not being attached to the outcome of like, oh, my gosh, is he fully transitioning? Or is there a big process that he's releasing here in this rite of passage? Mm, That's helpful. Mel, I hope Mm -hmm. you heard that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling called to take one more live caller, and then we'll start to wrap up. So I'm going back out there, all of you with your hands up. Um, where is it? Here it is. Okay. I'm going to area code 954. Um, 954, you're live with us. Hi. Um, this is Beth. Hi, Beth. How are you? I'm, I'm so awesome. I'm so happy to talk with you guys and Denise and this call has been so cool. 
I have a puppy named Lux. I don't know how mm-hmm. old he is. We think he's about a year. We kind of guesstimated his birthday might be May 25th because we rescued him, mm-hmm. and so we don't have a lot of details. But he is a really cool little guy. Um, my last wonderful, wonderful soulmate died last May, and mm-hmm. um, he did have a beautiful death. And mm-hmm. um, thankfully, we have the love in our life and the light from Lux because he I've never met a living creature that seems to embody love like this guy. I mean, he just mm-hmm. seems to love everything. So I want to be the best mommy I can be and, and friend to him. And I'd love to know what he has to say to me. Oh, I love that. And is that Lux, L-U-X-E at the end? It's L-U-X. Okay, beautiful. And then what's the name of the animal companion that you mentioned that transitioned? Satori. T-U? S is in Sam, A-T-O-R-I. It's a Japanese for instant awakening or enlightenment. Wow, lovely. Okay. So let me just see something here. Because it's interesting because he's showing that (laughs) he, so Lux comes um, from part of the spiritual soul pack or the soul litter of Sigori. Um, So there's a lot of the energies are similar but different. It's almost the flip side. Whereas Sigori has a lot of the, like, the six, the nine-nine, the um, the the kind of higher chakra numbers, Lux has a 33-6. So Lux is a one-trick pony um, in that he is joy, 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 all the time joy, and he brings that universal connection to you. So he's almost like um, the way that he's describing it is he's this uh, ray of golden light, and anything that steps into that ray automatically connects to you. So if Sigori wants to hang out with you, he just uh, Sigori steps into that ray, and instantly the memories, the connections, the love, the experience, like instantaneously transfers from Lux into you. If there were um, a Cadence wanted to connect with you, they would kind of send their download into that ray. It would come through Lux, and it would instantaneously be in your energetic field. He does this really cool, it's almost like, you know, in the mail room where they have those pipes and, and they put the mail and it sucks it right up and gets it where it needs to go. That's yeah. how he processes energy experiences lifetimes and, like, shares them with you. He's wow. your mail room in a really cool way. <laughs> huh. Yeah, he loves, every, I mean, every animal. I had to, he was mm-hmm. trying to play with a snake a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm not. I'm working on my my relationship with snakes, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I haven't always loved them very much. But um, I mean, I'm like, oh my gosh, this dog this dog plays with bugs. He lo- mm-hmm. Satori Satori was not that way. Satori did not like mm-hmm. other dogs. Satori wanted to be with me. And Lux mm-hmm. Lux loves everything. And Lux loves dogs. Mm-hmm. He loves swimming. He lo- I mean, it's just joy. I mean, his name. The, I mean, I named him Lux. I'm like he. I knew it before we got him, and and I was like, mm-hmm. he's going to be the light bringer, and mm-hmm. it seems like he is. He is. Sounds like he it. Shows, <laughs> he shows everything through that vibration of joy, and and it's interesting because it's almost like a childlike wonder how like the child looks at the looks at the world and is excited by absolutely everything, 
Like that's how he filters in information, downloads, experiences, all that stuff to you. So, you know, if he's playing with Snake, it's a cool opportunity to be like, all right, look, show me the, the golden version of Snake. And you and he might be able to drop into you like the healing, the wisdom, the grandmother energy of Snake. I'm with you, by the way, Beth. I'm not there with Snake yet. I'm like, if Snake needs to pay her, let it be in jewelry dipped in gold. Um, so, so kind of go with it. He's, he's translating and and sharing those experiences with you, which is kind of a cool, I've never seen a pet do that. I love that. It's it's so spot on. I mean, this, this dog is like joy from it. I haven't, I've only seen him not enjoy like for a couple hours one afternoon after I took him to get his nails clipped and he, it wasn't a good experience for either one of us, but, um, other than that, it's just I'm I'm in a, I, we've had him since September and it, mm-hmm. it's joy is what he is. It's and I mm-hmm. feel like that's the message to bring to me to lighten my mm-hmm. me up because I can get I used to be trying to get a little lighter these days. So mm-hmm. it's well, you cool. sound pretty light, Beth. It sounds like he's having <laughs> a, a positive influence on you because you sound pretty. I think he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank and you for being here, Beth. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you so and, and much for the, taking my call, and thank you for everything you both do. I really enjoy it. Oh, thanks, Aww. Beth. And the, the final note from Lux, and this is good for everyone, is, you know, we are human, and we do find ourselves grumpy sometimes, and we can always ask our pets to see the experience through their eyes. Um, you know, Lux, show me show me how I could look at this differently and just kind of listen to him, allow him to play with you or lick or jump on you, and then, you know, let that just simmer into our energetic field. Our pets are such experts at raising the vibration around them. Um, They can do it on command. (laughs) Just like we ask them to do a sit, we can be like, all right, let's raise the vibration around this situation and just let them do it. Oh, cool. That's beautiful. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Beth. I just felt guided to, to call on you, and so I'm so glad that I did. And Lots of love to you and Lux, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great All weekend, right. everybody. You too. <laughs> you too. And Denise, thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to read a couple comments from the, the people in the webcast mm-hmm. that you spoke with. Uh, Tama said, oh, goodness, thank you. I felt joyful tears. Yay. How blessed are all of us to have these awesome animals in our lives. Joy, joy, joy. Thank you, Tama. Um, Barb from London said, Leah says, thank you. And I would love to get the Labyrinth Package B. I'll do the energy healing to make her chakras better. Beautiful, Barb. Mm-hmm. Um, Mel wrote back in and she said, oh, bless you for this information. I think, you know, letting you know what she had said about transitioning and your information really helped her. She said, I'm so grateful to have such an amazing dog in my life. I will honor him as he has done for me. Uh, I also feel my dog Hula on the other side is here with him. Is this true? Do you feel Hula with, um, with him? Yeah. So here's the really interesting thing. Um, You know, I keep talking about the patterns and numbers never lie. We have had almost every pet that we look at has that 33 over 6 master vibration. And Hula's no different. And that 33 over 6, we know to be that we, you know, I I refer to as the cosmic parent. Um, So they tie us very closely to universal energy. They help anchor it in. And universal energy also ties very closely to the star beings. 
Um, so <laughs> no mistake that, in this community. <laughs> I can tell you right? that. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. So, you know, Hula is definitely um, with you and bringing in the star bean energy. And there's such a connection between Hula and Skippy in that Skippy has more of the earthbound shamanic, like, tribal energy. Hula is bringing in more of, like, the celestial shamanic energy, if you will. And we know from all the traditions of, you know, the the first peoples and Native Americans, at least the ones I'm familiar with in California, are so tied to the star people. So it's like this beautiful, you know, if you're looking at the figure eight or the infinity sign, it's like Hula is within that infinity sign at the, at the top of the eight and Skippy's at the bottom of the eight. And they're just the energy flows between them. Oh, great. Beautiful. I love that name, Hula, for a dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mel, so oh. much love to all of you, to you and Skippy and uh, and beautiful Hula, who is um, – that is so interesting, all of this universal, en- en- you know, energy, but I'm not surprised. Um, we have a lot of beautiful cosmic brothers and sisters that are in the sacred circle, so um, – Wow, what a fun show with you, Denise. This is your first time here. I hope it's the first of many because I absolutely loved it. I hope that you had fun. Oh, too. my Yeah, there's so much for us to talk about with our animal companions. And it's just, I mean, you can tell it's just such a high-vibing group that we're able to, like, go deep. You know, we don't have to kind of sugarcoat or dilute anything. We can talk about the fact that our animal companions are connected to our galactic allies that we're all kind of have the star being element to ourselves and how we get downloaded information. And at the end of the day, you know, our animal companions are helping us because all of us are, you know, in our, our shared spiritual legacy, we're all just trying to find quote unquote, our way home, right? Our way home to oneness, to that center of the labyrinth, if you will, where heaven and earth kind of come together in this, sense of peace and purity and you know our animal companions are just walking with us along that path and what more beautiful way to be guided than with unconditional love and the sassiness of each and the playfulness of each and their personality you know there's only so many human archetypical experiences that we go through as humans they might all be disguised and masked as different things but going through the labyrinth, looking at the chakras, looking at our pets' behaviors and what they reflect back to us, it truly helped create a commonality among us all. You know, as pet parents, we all can, you know, relate to, oh, my gosh, I don't want my pet to transition, or, oh, my gosh, I'm caring for my pet. Am I doing the right thing? All these beautiful archetypical experiences that our pets provide for us, are just helping polish us and getting us one step closer to each other as a community, but also mm-hmm. to that oneness energy of we're all doing the best we can. We all are surrounded in love. And at the end of the day, all we want to do is love those that love us and be loved by those that we love. Oh, I love all of that. That Beautifully stated. They are purposeful polishers. Uh, for our Ooh, ascension nice. journey. Yes. <laughs> I love when he said that word polishers. I was like, oh, yes, yes, that's what they are. <laughs> well, this was so enlightening, so fun, so healing, so relieving. Um, just uh, what a beautiful time together. Thank you, Denise, um, for being here and uh, 
Yeah, what a gift to have you with us. You, you have a wealth of information and knowledge, and I'm just honored to have the opportunity to highlight you <laughs> today. Uh, well, so thank, thank you for having me, and, and thank you to everyone who shared in their animal companions because that, that truly brings depth and richness to the experience. So thank you to all of you for holding this space and being part of this new vanguard of pet guardianship where we realize there's so much more than these furry little creatures. They're spiritual. They're amazing. They're teachers. They're expansive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're just, uh, I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Oh, thank you, beautiful Denise. And to everyone who's lived up, been with us, thank you for the gift of your time, your love, your presence, your openness today. We appreciate you and hope that you receive the insights, the awarenesses, the empowering opportunities that are most beneficial for you and your beautiful animal companions and please consider the wonderful um, offers that Denise has created for you the whole labyrinth um, experience and offer a and then of course the uh, the private session the intuitive session um, for your pet animal for your pets and animals uh, in offer B and um, beautiful opportunities to take this journey further with Denise. So thank you for joining us on another soulful adventure today. I am sending waves and waves of love and light and appreciation from my heart to yours. May you feel it, receive it, and then offer it to those you encounter today or tonight wherever you are in the world. And as always, until next time, please give yourself full permission to shine instead of shrink, express instead of suppress, and own that amazing, powerful glow of yours. Um, take flight to beacons of light, and I will see you all back here in this playground of light next time. Bye, everybody.